0: when podcasts just start like that yeah which is yeah. good because yeah. you're set yeah <laughs> i am seth brundle that is who actually the fuck I am. chris yeah chris McMullen. yeah yeah so let's start there let's start there that's the intro. um as a wee lad um i watched this lad. classic <laughs> classic 1986 uh sci-fi film it's my second favorite sci-fi film of all time where jeff goldblum plays the title character seth brundle the yep. fly um, and at the time when I took on the mon- moniker I was a stylist but I was going back and forth between corporate America and entertainment. So, you know, making the transition, going back and forth, I didn't want my coworkers, you know, I'm I'm I've always been like one of the only black people in the office. So people are always curious about me, want to google me, you know. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. Like okay. Not to go off on a tangent, yeah. but when you say you're one of the black people in the office, give me yeah. kind of
0: build that world. I've always that been, world. That yeah, world? I've always been like one of two black people in any, you know, given space that I was in. And I did, yeah. I did really long stints in the agency world. And I was always the only black person. What kind of agency world? Uh, marketing,
1: Okay, marketing. Okay.
0: So my background marketing PR in terms of like my, my professional experience is marketing and PR. I know that you were with three different
1: magazines. It's like a fashion, Mm -hmm. like a stylist, right? Yeah. But you were into marketing before that, correct? Before that. But like, you know, back and forth. Was that New York or LA? That was LA. LA. Okay. Yeah. And you were, tell me if you, if you don't mind, tell me a little more about, because that's interesting to me
0: about being one of the only black people there. Like, what's that like? I mean, you've had that experience like most of your life, right? Like I being have... one of the only Hispanic people in the room, especially in professional environments too. It
1: Well, now that you say
0: it, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes,
1: I have, I've had different, cause I've traveled like yeah. to
0: London. Mm-hmm. When I
1: was in London, I was treated very much like a minority, but not, but like the lowest of the low minority. Yeah, It was weird yeah. and because I was with a couple rude boys that were locals. Um, And it was because of skateboarding. We were on one of those double-decker buses and a couple Pakistani gentlemen. But I didn't know that culture, right? But they ended up saying something to me that I didn't even understand. They insulted me in a way I've never even understood. Right. Because it wasn't my culture. But these rude boys who were with me, skaters, they just started. They just went to blows on the top of this bus. Then the bus driver stopped the bus and he kicked them off. And then he took us maybe, I don't know, a couple clicks down. Cause you know we're in London, so it yeah. clicks. And he dropped us off. He's like, "You're all getting off the bus, but I'm dropping you off separately." And it was just such a weird experience because I didn't realize it was because of me being Hispanic. Yeah. Until the the rude boys I was with were, they told me they're like, yeah. "No, they insulted you and this and that." I'm like, "What the fuck just happened?" So yeah. that's a little side, to my own personal story. But please tell me what's
0: what's it like. I mean. It's it's a lonely experience. Yeah. I mean, it's a lonely experience and my experiences have varied from company to company, agency to agency, but it's it's largely been you know, an uncomfortable you know, uninspiring experience for me and that's one of the reasons and one of my main motivations for continuing to follow my dreams i cannot and refuse to be in those spaces especially if i'm not passionate about the work do you feel you were there because of your value you were bringing yeah yeah i was always hired because of my experience and my expertise i was never i don't think i was ever in a position where i was hired as a token or hired, you I know, feel to like meet I've somebody's been. quota. I, I feel like I have been. That's, yeah. that's
1: the reason why I asked you that way.
0: Yeah, I never, I never have been in in professional, um, you know, corporate environments. I have like, you know, on the entertainment side because they needed a a black host for the Black History Month black stuff that they were doing for their Black initiative. Um, the
1: way you put that, it's yeah, like I just see checkboxes Yeah, it's
0: just <laughs> like that's what, that's exactly what the fuck they're doing. They're just checking off boxes. But you know, I've always been hired, like I said, like in, in professional environments for my experience and my expertise. But you know, it's just a it's a lonely, very bizarre experience to be one of the only, you know, in in those spaces, especially where I am someone who lives my life out loud where where's my emotions on my sleeves sleeve and i don't know how to censor myself i don't know how to shrink myself i don't know how to you know not call out bullshit or racism or microaggressions or whatever it is yeah. you know as it comes up and yeah so i gotta be honest with you yeah so we've obviously been chopping it up
1: before yeah. just kind of Talking about the show, you know how, what we're going to talk about. But right from this intro, I just say it felt really, real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt good talking about bad shit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I mean it, it. It it's helped to shape us, right? Yeah, you know it's a part of it's yeah. a part of the journey. Like I said, it's part of what has motivated and kept me motivated to keep. Going down this road of entrepreneurship, of, you know, chasing my dreams. It's because we were talking about this yeah. right before we started,
1: actually, you know, we hit record. And people are, come up to you, I'm sure, and like, how do you keep doing it? Because yeah. you've pivoted now a yeah. couple times. <laughs> yeah. But please, tell, us, tell me.
0: Yeah, tell me. I, so, there is, it's always strange to hear people, you know, say those things to you, right? Because there's this misconception about what this life is and the sacrifices that you have to make being self-employed, being self-employed. You know what I mean? Like people look at Instagram, they see, you know, the magazines that you're featured in the television shows that you're on, you know, and they think that translates to more money than you can count, you know, more free time than any man knows what to do with and so on and so forth. But, What it actually means for us, as you very well know, is that we don't have any days off. We're never not thinking about work. We're never not, you know, working. Always on. We're always on. on. There's no clock in or clock out. You're just on. And there's never a guarantee of a return from anything that, you know, you do. There's never a guarantee. Like we're always investing in ourselves, whether, you know, you're doing a Netflix show that you're not getting paid for. Um, hi, Netflix, um, <laughs> you know, have, you have a very interesting
1: Netflix story too, that I want to get to in a moment, but yeah, well, question I have because of what you're talking about, how do you stay motivated to keep pivoting, to keep putting yourself out there?
0: Cause when you're putting yourself out there, you put you out there. I, I am someone who, regardless of all the obstacles, the struggles I am someone who absolutely fucking loves what he does. Which is? I I am a television host. I'm a chef. I'm a producer. I'm a writer. Um, I'm a content creator. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I'm, you know, I, I have, I'm this multi-hyphenate. But you, you know were I mean? trying, trying to be. I wasn't trying to be. I wasn't trying to be. I've I've literally, every step of the way, you know, in my life, in my career, I've always gone with my heart. I, I've tried, you know, the traditional corporate route. I've I've given it a good fucking go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, give me a story. Give me an example. Like, what was a corporate route you tried that just it didn't stick? Wasn't a good fit. I mean, my last job, the last job that I had was this marketing agency, and very small agency, um, uh, owned and operated by one of the most interesting white women I've ever met in my life. Who was so well-intentioned. She's so liberal. Okay. So liberal. Um, <laughs> and essentially my being let go from the agency was based on my time off request for my wedding. Okay. And my honeymoon. Um, she knew when she had hired me that I was getting married that following year. Okay. When I was getting married, how much time I would need off and she was also someone who was single lonely childless god i hope she sees this um single lonely childless always dreamed and yeah okay yeah that i didn't want to mention that because um you know i don't want to i don't want to be ageist or anything like that but she was just a miserable fuck right okay who always talked about this desire to get married have children so on and so forth so it's like Now that it's my time to do that, like, is this jealousy coming up for you? Like, what is this? So she and I had a rift about um, my time off request. And, you know, keep in mind, like I lived in the Bay Area at the time. We worked in tech, all of our clients were tech companies, major tech companies. So as a part of, you know, my benefits, I had unlimited PTO that I hadn't taken advantage of. I had been working like crazy hours for like six months straight for one of our tech, you know, clients that we had at the time. And, um, as soon as I submitted my time off request, like our dynamic changed, the way she, you know, treated me changed. And then I was in logged into her email one day, um, sending out new business emails on her and behalf, on her behalf. Oh, okay, she you. knew, you know, yeah. we all had her password. There were only four of us at the agency. Oh, it's just, so yeah, she I knew. This is the thing that always boggles my mind when I think about this story, but she knew that I was logged into her email, um, sending out these emails, and because I was sending these emails, I needed to be in the draft tab. So she was drafting up an email to her friend who was essentially acting as our HR professional about this time off request, and she had kept a tally of all the time I had taken from from the office, like for like dentist appointments. I remember my wife had gotten sick, you know, one day, and this is me like being gone for like an hour or two at, at, at at the time or whatever the case was with, but she was trying to build a case for why I couldn't have, or why she didn't want to grant my time off request. Okay. So I confronted her about it. Okay. So, you know, the Karen came out and, (laughs) you know, she became a victim. And then, There was a question about my integrity for reading her emails. I was. That was part of your job. That was, I was doing my job. Yeah. You forgot that you asked me to do this specific task. Yeah. And I was logged into your email and I saw it. And I told you I saw it. I confronted you about it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere. Where's the, you know, so all of a sudden I didn't have any integrity and I was this and I was that and so on and so forth. So, yeah, so I was let go. That was the last corporate job I had. And then you went into fashion. No, no, no. So I've I've gone back and forth. So I started initially when I so I went to Morehouse. I went to um, I'm from in Atlanta. Yeah, I went to Morehouse in Atlanta, went to an HBCU, um, graduated, moved back to L.A. and I immediately started my career in PR marketing. So I did the agency thing for about three years and you know i just wasn't fulfilled i worked for some pretty great agencies i had an amazing boss he and i are still really good friends um today he's um you know made me all types of money he's uh i don't know if i should say what company he works for because i don't want to get him in any trouble but he works for a food brand wow that's all right you've got a right. case <laughs> right he works for a major food brand um that i've partnered with several times to do um, corporate cooking classes. Um, I've done recipe development for them, like all, all types of things, but did the agency thing for three years and I wasn't fulfilled in PR and marketing. So, you know, I'd always been passionate about, thank you so much. Hey, hey for those who can't see this, this
1: is podcast, but Brandon, our head of production, just handed back, it just floated back up.
0: I flipped it off the, uh, the countertop, but, um, but yeah, I wasn't fulfilled in that. I've always been an artist. I've always been a creative. Um, and at the time I really wanted to pursue a career in fashion. I wanted to design, I wanted to style. So on a whim, on a leap of faith, you know, I quit my job one day and the very next week a friend of mine, Monique Scott, may she rest in peace. She passed away two years ago. Um, but a friend of mine, Monique Scott, she was working with uh, Faith Evans, Kendrick Lamar, oh, yeah. who was a brand new, you know, new to uh, TDE, Aftermath, like he was just breaking what at the time. What year was that, 06? That was, 08? no, this was 2011. Was that when Kendrick Lamar? Yeah, that was when he like like yeah. broke, like yeah. when, when Dr. Dre discovered him. Um, But she had posted something on Facebook like, hey, you know, uh, doing some styling for a pilot next week could really use like an extra set of hands anybody interested in assisting. So did that with Monique um, for two weeks. We shot a show called Milk and Honey that eventually got picked up by my friend Issa Rae uh, on her uh, YouTube network, but did that, fell in love with it, and pursued that for the next six years. So Just that. Just that. Just that. So in the midst of doing that, um, I started doing the web series Butter and Brown, my cooking show with my friend Leslie. And um and that was
1: part of Issa ray's network as yeah well, that right? was a
0: part of Issa ray's youtube network as well she, we were her first original format outside of uh her hit series the misadventures of an awkward black girl yep um so we had just started doing that and just as we had started doing butter and brown my fire my passion my drive for styling was fizzling out why um what happened i loved styling and always will as an art form it was the people you know it's 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 usually always a people thing so like as i was getting older dealing with rappers and singers and their egos their schedules like you know my ability to make money being contingent upon you know where their career was you know what their what their public image was what their Transgressions were at the time one of the biggest artists that I was uh, that I was working with towards the end of my career as a stylist, you know, ended up having like a domestic, you know, situation with his then girlfriend. Um, that so, affects you, yeah. And that was my main and only client at the time. And I remember when it happened, it was like somebody pulled the rug from under me. All of a sudden, yeah. the money that I was, you know, dependent upon every month, like, was just gone. People Overnight. don't know that. They don't know that. People and don't know that.
1: There's a whole movement. There's a whole infrastructure yeah. around a lot of these. I mean, we call them celebrities, but they're brands. Yeah.
0: And there's people behind that with livelihoods. Yeah. And it gets pulled. Damn. Yeah. So um, around that time, my wife had moved to, she had moved to the Bay Area. We were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. And I swore up and down. I was never moving up there. Um, why Why not I just I didn't I never really fell in love with the Bay Area okay I, I, I like the Bay Area and, and I you, think you like Too Short I love Too Short I'm just curious yeah <laughs> I, I love Too say, Short say Bay I love Area E-40 like, I love <laughs> you know Mac Dre like I love you know I love the culture up there I love the people I think that's the thing that keeps me from saying I hate the Bay because yeah. the people like I love the people up there I love the food up there i love the culture i just don't you know living there it is a different vibe it's a different it's a and it's completely been different vibe
1: changed over the last 20 years it has seen some incredible vibe changes right? yeah
0: even in the last six years like oh, since we left like it's changed drastically in some instances for the better you know and others like oakland is not oakland anymore no you know it's it's a very different place it's been very heavily gentrified um you know, and that's unfortunate, but we, it, you know, we went off on a tangent, but long story short, you know, my wife moved up to the Bay. I moved up the following year. I found a job up there um, for a financial institution. Um, and it was the perfect thing for me at the time. Yeah, yeah, I was done with styling. We had done, we had shot all of our episodes of Butter and Brown. I did another web series with uh, Issa Rae's YouTube channel called Fundamental. So take, so, Sorry to interrupt, but no. Take me, gonna... where, where's chef? Where
1: where did the cooking element come from in all this? Forgot about that. So because butter and brown's
0: cooking show. Oh yeah, all yeah, of yeah. these stories are interweaved. So I've always been a cook. I've okay. always always my entire life. I've always been a cook. I've always really enjoyed cooking. It wasn't until we started doing the web series that I actually considered a career. And this in, is milk and honey and cooking. No, 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 not even Milk and Honey. This is Butter and Brown, the web series. Okay. Milk and Honey, I did wardrobe Okay. on that. Like, I was still heavily in the fashion at the time. Okay. Um, and pursuing a career in fashion. And with Butter and Brown, it was just natural because I was already, you know, of our crew at the time. I was already the cook of our crew. I, I really enjoy cooking. You know, Leslie and I are very close. We're very close. You know, back then we had great chemistry people were always telling us how funny we were you know and i got to cook with my friend on camera you know i wanted to be in front of the camera my entire life so it was just natural that we started doing the web series and it wasn't until we started doing the web series where i took a step back and realized like how passionate i actually was about cooking it wasn't just something I did for friends and family. Something or I even get cam- in front
1: of the camera. Yeah. Because a lot of people are always looking for their shtick to get in front. Right? Exactly.
0: But it wasn't like that. For it, it wasn't like that. It natural. was just Yeah, it was just natural. It was fun. You know, Leslie and I were already fr- friends with Isa. Issa was looking for original content to follow up um, Awkward Black Girl. So it was just something that happened very naturally, very organically. Yeah. And it was, it was fantastic in that respect. But... Um... Yeah, so the 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 start of my career as a chef was with me doing the series butter and brown. It wasn't until then that I was like, "Oh, really?" Oh, that's interesting. I might Yeah, yeah like I might, I might really want to do this. And again, like I like I've told you and you're familiar with like yeah. my story in this world in the culinary world is is a very non-traditional one. I I almost went backwards. <laughs> Where, you know, a lot of the greats that we see on Food Network and all these other, you know, premium networks, you know, Gordon Ramsay, I went the opposite way. I started with, you know, the network show and then I kind of worked my my way backwards.
1: Well, like our, our mutual friend, Jeremy McBride, yeah. who you guys are hosting the show yeah. together now. I mean, he went about it his own way, too. You know what I mean? I feel like some of my favorite people who cook, though, have that, you know, where it was just kind of, I don't want to say they were fuck ups. It's just they kind of the fuckery they were into got him yeah, into it. Yeah. I mean, when I, you know, I've read Kitchen Confidential and I was mm-hmm. a big fan of it. It talks yeah. about all that. Okay, fantastic
0: hey. book. I've, re- And I don't like, don't get me, yeah. my friends hate when I say this. I don't read. I read, but I don't read, right? I don't either. I have read that book from cover to cover four fucking times. I love it. That goddamn book so much. I love Anthony Bourdain. I love his perspective. I love the way that man writes. That book is wonderful. Even if you're not into food. Like
1: I feel yeah, because and I think that's what made him so resonate with so many people is because you could live in that world through that book. Yeah. And if you were curious about it or not, you don't have to be even into food to like that book because the stories are that rich. Um, especially from a male perspective when he's talking about, you know. Doing shit in the kitchen, having sex in the, you know, all that. Yeah. stuff. I mean, if you spent time in a kitchen, because there was this point in my life where I was, I was a su- sushi chef. I was a sushi chef. It was only because I was a patron of the place, and I had a broken leg at the time, and I had friends there. And I'm a his, you know, Hispanic guy with these Japanese. Wait, people. are you,
0: Hispanic, or are you not Hispanic?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm Hispanic.
0: Uh, you, I <laughs> well, was
1: like, <laughs> well, I got,
0: you know, I'm a mud. I got a whole bunch in me. You know? Yeah, I got a whole bunch of stuff. But you, do you identify as a Hispanic man? <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, ah! Ah! Now we're getting deep. I don't know. I, really? Because,
1: oh, so, in being, since we're having this dialogue. Yeah. My dad, so he's Guatemalan. Okay. Right? And he has Spanish from, like, Spain. Mm-hmm. And his father is, I don't know if he was the Spanish one. Anyways, long story short, he wasn't proud of his heritage. Okay. So when he came over here and he had a sponsor, him and his mom, they were fleeing, you know, some bad shit in Guatemala and Guatemala is not necessarily the safest place either. Yeah. But long story short, my dad didn't teach us as kids, my sister and and my half brother, he was never attached to it. Like most Hispanic families are, especially, um, Mexicans, because when he, people would say, you know, from Mexico, he'd get all offended or even El Salvador. He's like, no, I'm from Guatemala. Yeah. because there is, even though it's there's a Spanish, distinction between those countries, you know. And so he didn't speak Spanish to us as kids. And I didn't realize it till later because he just wasn't proud of it. Like, because he has such bad memories. Yeah. Abuse of father, things of that nature. And it bled over into things. And so it's interesting because now he wishes he would have spoken Spanish to us, yeah. especially growing up in Southern California. Yeah. You know, so when you ask me, what do I identify? I. The people who love me were not even of the same color race as me. You yeah. know, um, I came from a silver spoon when I was a kid because of my mom's family. The you know, white family came from Texas oil, like your mom money. Is white.
0: Yeah. Oh, OK. So you're half Hispanic.
1: Yeah. OK. From, okay. My, from my dad. But, you know, they. My mom was very interesting and had a lot of people of color around her. My mom yeah. was. And so I grew up around that. And yeah, those were the people who loved me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I identified with the love of people. And it I didn't realize anything about Hispanic until I was, you know, in my teens. And when I was on my own journey, racing dirt bikes and traveling and skateboarding and realized things, you know, yeah. like skateboarding, you could be in an active area where there was gang activity. Yeah. But you'd be cool because people would be the like, gang
0: hey, bangers never mess with the skaters. They yeah. didn't mess with us. Yeah. You know, And
1: it was a melting pot yeah. of humans. Yeah. You know, it, it was awesome so when you ask me it's like i i have to learn spanish on my own yeah it wasn't given to me from my own history you know what i mean the appreciation for my history wasn't it wasn't instilled in me okay so it's i mean that's that's... so i think of people who i've shared time with right and been loved by and that's how i identify
0: Okay. If that makes sense at all. No, that may, I mean, that yeah. makes sense. Like, given your background and stuff like that, that just make that makes sense. I just was curious. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to go out on a No, no, because, no, we went off on a <laughs> super But, super yeah, tangent. But when you asked me
1: that, it's like, I'm going to give you a real answer to it. Yeah. Because, you know, you're sharing so much with me right now. It's like, I'm going to give you a real answer to it. Yeah. This. Because I, you can choose your
0: friends, right? And the people yeah. you
1: surround yourself with. But you can't choose your family.
0: Yeah. And... What can I yeah, say? but you can, but you can choose your family too. You know, I learned that later on. Yeah, you know what yeah I am. mean. As you grow, you learn these things, right? Yeah, I, I definitely, you know, there are people that I'm related to. Yeah, and there's my family. It, it's valid. The, not to say I don't love other members of my family any
1: less, but my mom was the first to go, and she's the one I wanted to stick around the longest. You know what I mean? Shit. Same, it happened. See? Same, and you, yeah, because you lost your mother, and we, yeah,
0: we had a conversation about yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah, it's fucking tough, man. It's fucking tough. Fuck, what were we talking about? Well, before we <laughs> went off on the, the, the uh, racial identity is, well, it's culture. Yeah,
1: you know, uh, racial sure, but it's culture, right? And it's the people you find good connection with. Yeah, right? and a lot of what you're talking about, you know, I'm not gonna get us back to where we were because I don't. Totally remember, but I remember the feeling we were having. We were talking about you finding
0: your place, you yeah. finding cooking yeah. in
1: all this because it's all been interwoven, you know. Oh,
0: that's what we were talking about. Bear, the barrier, the ho- barrier, yeah. Bear. And then you never felt like it was a solid fit. Yeah, it was. It just, you know, it wasn't a good fit for me. It wasn't. But like, I, I absolutely appreciate my time there. I was there for three, three and a half years. Um, I made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, that was the most that was the most money I've ever made in my adult life. I was working full time, yeah. you know, for a financial institution and I had a network show.
1: Dude,
0: It was, it was an amazing, <laughs> you know, it was an amazing time for me financially, but yeah. So like, so funny enough, you know, we were talking off camera about this, but I've had the same issues that you had, you've had in your career where, you know, I'm ready to go back you know, take a break from entertainment or whatever the case is, or my priorities change, or I'm just not feeling it at the time. And I wanted to go back to corporate America and have had a hell of a time finding a job. Yeah. I wanted you to share this. Story. Yeah. I actually kind of captured because I was like, no, man, you got to
1: save this. So yeah, tell me when I've, you
0: went back. Yeah. I've had a hell of a time. Like, so I, I found, you know, I finally found a company who appreciated my career track and the experiences I had had. They were totally so that's one thing the bay area like has every other city in this country beat on is that every single company that i interviewed up there with like they were all open to the fact that i had taken a break from corporate america and pursued my dreams yeah. they were all about that i feel like the Bay um, Area is more open to that yeah really. they're to- like they're they're so much more open to that and everybody you know A lot of people that you meet in those spaces, like, have had those experiences too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I went, I quit my job one day and went backpacking through Europe for three. Like, what? Yeah. Well, they have that unlimited time from accounting. You know know what I mean? But yeah, so I had, um, I had that experience. Worked for, uh, uh, so I got the job with the financial institution, right? Yeah. It's like this is perfect. Going to move up. Um, be with my lady, you know, take a break from entertainment, leave LA, you know, get out of this environment for a while. So it's perfect for where I was at at the time. Literally a month after I started that job, we got the call from Aspire and they were interested in picking up Butter and Brown as one of their original, you know, series for the network. Cause it was, it was a brand new network at the time. I think it was like two, two years, two years old at the time um so it just worked out where our production schedule was perfect for you know my pto yeah and so i just you know took i think it from season to season it would take us anywhere from nine to 11 days to film the entire season damn you know in those nine to 11 day blocks how many episodes how many did we do every season Ten. 10 and 9 11
1: days. Yeah. Damn. That's like yeah. some Rob Dyrdek stuff. Yeah, so I don't some know if days heard him talk about ridiculousness, but he found a
0: system to knock yeah. out shows. Yeah, some days like you know, some days were better than others like, you know, some days we would do two a days like, you know, some days we only had the energy for, you know, one episode or whatever the case was, but like the production schedule was great, you know, to coincide with my work schedule. And both the jobs that I held when I lived in the Bay Area those 3 years that were aware of the show, that were cool with it. You know, initially, um but, yeah, so I did that for three years, and then my wife and I moved back to l a in two thousand seventeen right after we got married, and you know, she and I sat down and had a conversation and just agreed that I was just gonna pursue entertainment, you know full time um what so why though, like what about you wanted to do that? I don't know. I don't, I, I get so much joy out of sharing my passion with other people. It is, it is such a blessing to be able to do that. I've always dreamed about it since I was a little boy. Mm. You know, I'm an, I'm a, I'm an eighties baby. I'm a nineties kid. I grew up on two of my biggest inspirations in my entire life. And I know it sounds funny, but Fucking Jaleel White, Steve Urkel, okay, and Keenan Thompson. Why, why those two? Both black kids yeah. who had larger than life personalities and careers when I was a kid growing up. Especially Keenan Thompson, dark skin. Was that good over- burger times? Good burger. Uh, what was the movie with um with Ben Stiller, the one where they did the fat camp oh heavyweight Heavyweights. oh my god heavyweights mighty ducks a lot of people forget that kenan thompson was in all three mighty ducks movies no no but you said heavyweights though that heavyweights shit. was my shit. that's something that my wife and i we still watch with the kids because it, it does it makes us giggle i i love that movie especially as a fat kid growing up like it was it was fantastic so i just i have all those memories of being inspired by them as a kid you know when i was growing up in school i was in every school play every you know school presentation every 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 opportunity i had to get in front of a microphone to get in front of a crowd that was always a place where i felt comfortable you know engaging with people entertaining people informing people i i don't know i don't know what that is but like i've always gotten off on it i've always enjoyed it but the medium that I've, I've wanted to do it through has always changed. Like when I was a kid growing up, I I always wanted to be an actor. And then around undergrad, like I kind of lost interest in that. Like I wanted to be behind the camera. Um, you know, I wanted to get into design. I wanted to get into styling. Um, and then eventually the desire to get back in front of the camera came back. So, um my buddies and I shot pilots for like you know uh stylists you know shows and series and different things like that um and like I I told you like how Butter and Brown came up you know was something like it made sense I love cooking I love hanging out with Leslie we're fucking hilarious like why why wouldn't we do this and again it wasn't until then like I had no plans like A career in cooking and culinary and being a chef, going to culinary school, fucking roughing it in restaurants in my 30s, you know, sacrificing my body, my back. I couldn't have imagined this life 20 years ago. And now I couldn't imagine another one. Um, It seems
1: like you were searching at the same time, kind of maybe this is the wrong word, battling with. The difference between your responsibilities, the way you think you need to go through. Absolutely. Life versus the way you want to
0: go. through, Absolutely. Life, still. Right? Still. I mean, the last time. Crazy enough, the last time I interviewed for a job was at the beginning of the pandemic. Was that when they had hunted you? Yes. Please yes. share that. Please so share that. My show had just been canceled. <laughs> yep. Um, the network was acquired. The pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah. Nobody knew what was going on. So my show was canceled. Um, didn't have any prospects, didn't have anything going on, and you know, in the pandemic, I found my voice again, like doing live cooking demos. Started a business through that, started doing you know, corporate cooking demos for Amazon, um, for the University of California, you know, system. I did it for UCB, UCLA, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but randomly i got an email from netflix
1: okay they came
0: across my resume i guess on linkedin or whatever the case was like we love your experience we think you'd be perfect for this producer role here and even though it's called producer at netflix it's more of like a marketing role marketing director role um but i was open you know i got a family i have plenty of marketing experience under my belt I've had network shows like this is the perfect fucking fit of all yeah. you know my life's experiences or whatever. Why not? And it's good paying gig. Yeah, it's a great paying gig. It was a great paying gig. <laughs> all right. It was a great paying gig. So they put me through the ringer, went through the interview process or whatever the case was, felt really good about every single interview that I did. How long was that process? Two months. Okay.
1: Two months. Okay. Neil. From the time they hit you up. Yes
0: two months so you were you had hope in that i had hope i went through several rounds of interviews and all of them like and i'm i'm the hardest you you know my my toughest critic right yeah i thought i did great every single interview so i didn't hear anything from weeks weeks at a time i think you know the last month of that three-month waiting period or whatever it was was me waiting on a response from them. And then I finally, finally got feedback. Uh-huh. And it was that, you know, you don't have enough experience for this role. What the... like, you reached out to me. I was, I, you reached out to me mm-hmm. based on my experience. <laughs> what? Fuck. Me, man. And you've already told me about this role at length. What the fuck about this role am I not qualified for? So To do, like what? So what, did you get any more feedback? No, that was it. That was literally it. So I left it there.
1: Shit.
0: I left it there. So, you know, I think we, I, I think I'll always have that conflict. You Which know, is- even if, you know, the the conflict of, you know, chasing my dreams and doing what I know I want to do as opposed to doing what I think I need to do at the time. Yeah. Because of my circumstances or because of, you know, the salary that they're waving in front of me or because I haven't done a show in so many months or, you know, whatever the case is, like, you know, it'll always, you know, be kind of, you know, eating at me. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe you need to take your ass back to work. You got a degree. Go back to corporate America. All your friends are happy. They're vacationing. Your boy just bought a new car.
1: But are they happy?
0: I think most of them are, yeah. Them? Oh. Yeah, but like... You're fortunate to be surrounded with a lot of happy people. Yeah, <laughs> like I, th- I think my friends, like it, just in general, and no specific one, I think my friends in general are pretty happy um, with their careers. The thing that we don't have in common, though, is I don't share being a dreamer and being a creative with, A ton of my friends only a couple of them it because it's hard yeah it's hard it's hard
1: because you might come across one way Mm -hmm. people who know you and it's but you're a person of action because your track record shows it but it's a challenge it is it, it it seems like you as much as you may want to try to fit into certain things you can't because it's not a fit period you know, it's very yeah. square peg, round hole type stuff. And it has been every yeah. single
0: time for every agency company that I've worked for in Corporate America, I have some story. Yeah. You know, like they never ended well. You know, I had great experiences, of course. I learned a lot. I met some great people along the way. Sounds like you provided value. Yeah, I provided value. Yeah. You know, like I like I said, shout out to Craig Ricks Road like, the best fucking boss I've ever had, you know, in my life and in in that realm. What made him a good boss? Man, so many things. He was just, he was just a realist. You know, he was he was a very balanced professional, in my experience. He is a very balanced professional where Craig is, he's a goofball. He's a prankster. He's a jokester. But with the snap of a finger, you know, he can, he, he can transform into one of the most articulate, knowledgeable, brilliant fucking professionals you've ever, you know, met in your life. I I worked with him for three years at an agency in Santa Monica called blaze. And I just remember the first instance I got of like the full Craig when, you know, and it was my first taste of, Crisis management with PR. Yeah. Um, we most of what we did there was hospitality uh, PR. Most of our clients were resorts and hotels and different things like that. And we had had this horrible um, instance where a woman was sexually assaulted at one of our luxury resorts that we rep. So of course, you know, they were my client. The communication came to me directly. I'm like twenty three. Okay. You know, I'm green as fuck. Like yeah, I don't yeah. you know, I'm used to pitching, you know, prefix menus at, you know, light this resort shit. Or, yeah, no, life got real. Shit. real right? quick. It got real really quick, and just the way that like how calm Craig was, like how he was dialed in, yeah. he knew exactly what to say. He was just you know, he's a brilliant guy. So this could this could very well be the Craig Rex Road uh <laughs> podcast. Shout out to I, Craig. Yeah, I love that I'm guy yeah he's 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 an incredible human being but he was just he was compassionate you know but he could you know be tough at the same time if you needed it he's just very intuitive in that way where you know he can read you and just say "Hmm." I'm gonna take it easy on him I'm gonna tell him what he needs to hear but I'm gonna take it easy on him you know how many how many years your your senior was he Craig is in his 50s now so okay 20 20 something years
1: yeah so it sounds like the uh, magic of time mm-hmm. kind of help him see how he needs to handle a situation for sure situation absolutely so absolutely. from what you're sharing it seems like very much so this your pivots and staying motivated it's almost like it wasn't an option it's like no you gotta do that shit. i gotta do that shit yeah. yeah it's it's always but you have to find it like where do you find your motivation to be like well i'm going into this now or well, i'm starting this now because it's almost like you do have to reset even though you come now fully much more equipped
0: that bro. I, I don't know how I stay motivated. I, I don't, I think to your point, I don't know that it's something that I'm conscious of. I give a a ton of thought to, it's just something I have to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like I have to do this. Yeah. I have like, I've had enough experiences, to inform me of what it is that I love to do, what gets me off, like what gets me out of bed every morning. And I have to pursue this. Well, what gets you out of bed? Creating. Just, just, in, general, in, the, just in, general, in the broad yeah. sense, a recipe, uh, a, a series format, uh, a marketing idea, uh. A, a template for my Instagram stories, yeah, yeah, creating, Yeah. creating every day is an opportunity to create something. And every time I think about that fact and that point, you know, I know I believe in God. I'm not the most religious person in the world, but I always think about, you know, us being created in God's image. Okay. And God being a creator himself, you know, and that being, you know, my alignment with him, you know, God is not one thing. He's a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people, depending on who you are and your perspective. But, yeah, that's valid. Yeah. you know, for me, that's our, that's my alignment with God is that I'm a creator just like him. Um, and that's what, that's what keeps me me motivated.
1: How does, like I get so much joy out
0: of it. How does your missus compliment
1: that? It sounds like when you talk about it, it's it's like you are in a
0: good relationship. Yeah, you have a
1: good partner in life.
0: Yeah. Um, she compliments that by just understanding, you know what I mean? Like it takes a special person to be with the special person. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Especially creative,
0: yeah, especially a creative, and and you have three, yeah, three kids. No, no, no. We have one. Uh, just the one. Yeah, we just have one. Oh, I thought you. Had I was three. like, wait, no, no, no. Because <laughs> we were talking about. Absolutely it. not. No, no, no. Was that your sister? No, no, no. I have two brothers. So my brothers, brothers, between my brothers, maybe that's my I have I nine understand. nieces and nephews. Okay. Yeah. So All yes, right. I only need Big one. Big crew. Okay. Yes. Are you only going to have one? I think so. Yeah. All right. I think so. I'm old, man. I can't. I would love. I'm 38. Just so you I know, would love Charlie, to have
1: made a baby at 72 or something yeah,
0: like that. just because you can doesn't mean you should though you know what I exactly. mean like yeah, yeah. that's not fair like I feel like I'm too old now a lot of times for my kid. like I don't want to be that old but like I I'd be open to having one or two more kids. The biggest thing with me is like the sleep factor and I think we we've, we've talked about this. yeah we before. did we
1: talked a little bit about sleeping.
0: I've always been a shitty sleeper in general yeah but, but in the past four and a half years since my son was born who still doesn't sleep through the night, <laughs> I can't do that shit again. Yeah, man. I literally, like, for the sake of my mental health, I don't think I could do that again. No, I I mean, I wasn't good with babies. Once each
1: of my kids hit six, it's almost like we connected yeah. in a way that I had only hoped we could connect. Yeah. But up until six, it was a challenge. Yeah. You know, there's love there, but I, it just seemed like we couldn't relate yeah. and think goodness from my missus because she handled shit you know and
0: that's what a great relationship is all about is that balance right so, you know she can where you can and vice versa so what does she what does she think about because it sounds like she's been with you on this journey quite a bit yeah we've been on this journey together for years i i'd be lying to you if i said you know we don't have our challenges we don't struggle yeah. you know with that understanding you know about what you know this all means like right being a creative being an entrepreneur being uh a, a permanent 1099er you know what i mean yeah, yeah. um <laughs> Brand, yeah. but i think what helps us is that my wife sees me yeah she knows me you know she knows what makes me happy what gets me up in the morning She's talked at length about, you know, where my spirit was at different times, like working corporate jobs. Um, you know, so I think that keeps her anchored. Well, clearly the two of you connected with the person you
1: probably should like the most. Yeah. And the person that seems like you like being the most is the one that's following direction. That just feels like a good fit, Indeed, which is creative. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I mean, but it's, a lot of people always wonder, you know, how do you stay motivated? But in your case, man, it's just like, what was the alternative?
0: Yeah, there's no. And do what? Yeah. That's the question. And do what? Yeah. If not, follow my passions? Yeah. Because we're fortunate
1: to live in a society, an area where we can find a yeah. no way to turn that passion into some sort of revenue. Yeah. You know, cause obviously you're taking care of your family.
0: Yeah. And that's, and, and I think the, the, the place where I've found the greatest sense of balance mm-hmm. is in my business, you know, with my food services business, you know what I mean? Where, you know, I have one that's seasonal, you know, my private chef, celebrity, you know, catering business, and then my institutional food services business. Where does the pop-up stuff fit in next? I know you have a pop-up at your program yeah. right now. It's coming up in August. So I'm doing another one this summer. I don't have a date for it. The last one was in August. Okay. Yeah, the last one was in August. So the the pop-up series is the same name as my luxury catering company, so The Seasoning. Okay. So my pop-up series, um, it's just a pop-up restaurant series where I feature... Some of my most popular recipes or things that I'm just like workshopping at the time. Yeah. So I've done two of them so far. The first one was a fast casual uh, type of vibe. I did it at this beautiful space that since closed in uh, the Arts District downtown called Awa Asia. Okay. So it was super I'm not tricked out, with it, but it sounds dope. Yeah, it was super tricked out. Um, great sound system, great bar, like the decor, like everything was great. And it was perfect for the pandemic because people were able to social distance and different things like that. So that was great. And then the last one I had last August was um, a luxury five course sit down dinner. Okay. Um, that was $250 a ticket. And there was a wine pairing for each course um, from this South African wine company called uh, Kamusha Wines. Okay. Um, So it was great. So the next one I'm thinking is going to be another fast casual. Um, I'm giving you an exclusive deal. No. (laughs) Um, So it's probably going to be taco themed. Okay. I've been workshopping these taco recipes for a couple of years now. And my wife and my friends have been pushing me, you know, to to showcase them. So I think the next one is going to be taco themed. And it will be sometime this summer. So I'm excited. How many people came to the one where you're like 250? So... 250 that was smaller so it was an intimate there were two intimate dinners and i did it i partnered with 1010 wine and events in inglewood okay first black woman owned uh wine bar in southern california um so that one we did 40 people per dinner okay um and i'll show you some pictures from it it was it was so nice it was amazing but the first pop-up i did you know it's fast casual so i don't know exactly how many people we had but i sold a thousand units okay. so between the pre-bottled cocktails and all the menu items i had i, I know it was a thousand units so
1: damn and it's, yeah. it's basically a one-day hustle yeah
0: it was a one-day hustle I mean, there's and people, a build-up and everything but it's still a one-day hustle it's still a one-day hustle and it's a fucking grind it's so hard to do a one-day pop-up especially in a space that you don't work out of every day and ingredients that you don't work with on a daily basis
1: so I ran events, and we had an event space during the pandemic at a spot across the street from Capitol Records. Yeah, and because we had a rooftop, we ran a lot of shit. Like yeah, we had forty four events in one month because people were jonesing to get out, and so I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Jesus H, we were forty tr- four in a month? month
1: in a month because people were like, oh, and right. remember those brunches, Sunday brunches, mm-hmm. right around pandemic, especially in LA. People, oh, my I'm Sunday God. brunch of age. I
0: love a good Sunday brunch. Ah,
1: one time though, yeah. it was it was it was you remember it was Buckwell our head of production brandon i go up it's a brunch sunday brunch on the rooftop beautiful they're going to sunset it's around 6 p.m. people are feeling it's going to stop at 9 because it was a brunch you know it yeah. started at 4 listen to fela you know there's good mm-hmm. vibes it's yeah. that culture that crowd yeah you know and i would always pop up and i was running the building just kind of cuz i had a we had a private theater we had a private screening going down we had some other stuff happening 9 p.m. I go up right before it's about to close. It's too short, and these same crowd are holding on to the railings, getting buck wild. And I'm just like, I was just up here 15 minutes, 30 that sounds minutes. Sounds like ago. a good Sunday brunch. I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, it went from the most chill, like everybody hugging, feeling good about the That's our great Sunday rest. brunch. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I'm like, we got to tone this down quick. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But yeah that was what's
1: happening so when you talk about these one day grinds yeah i get it it's
0: it's a lot like all that prep you know transporting the food safely you know battling with storage space like at this at the spaces you're going into remember the first pop-up i did um i did did i do two or three desserts but Mm -hmm. one of the components of one of the desserts was vanilla ice cream okay and i told them over and over I needed the freezers turned on the day before. They don't understand the severity of
1: that simple decision. That sim- mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't know, you can't appreciate how. Yeah. Yep.
0: So the last, so the pop-up ran for eight hours. The latter half of the people that came to pick up their orders, hang out, dine in and stuff like that, they either didn't have ice cream or if they didn't want it, or they had like a pool of vanilla cream. Like yeah, yeah, they didn't plug in the freezers until we got there. So and that's you know, the finisher. Yeah, come on exactly. Man. And the walk-in, you know, the walk-in wasn't cold enough to keep the ice cream or whatever the case is. But there are all these factors that you have to, you know, how'd you solve that up. problem? Or what did you do? Yeah, I couldn't. So the dessert, the dessert. So it was my banana, uh, banana. It was my peach cobbler bread pudding. Okay, with whiskey glaze, and I serve it with vanilla bean ice cream the dessert is good enough and holds up on its own without the ice cream. So, I think we did this a holiday weekend, and because we were in the Arts District, there was no place that sold bulk vanilla ice cream that we could go to and get it from, and it was like dead heat of summer, so, you know, if we had purchased it, brought it over, the same thing would have happened. So, we just forfeited it. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it was fortunate, because it was a compliment to the dish. Yeah. I mean, it's not what you envisioned, but yeah, you do what you gotta do.
0: Do what you gotta do, and people were very understanding. That was the other thing. Like, shout out to everybody, you know, who supported and attended my first pop up because we had, we had a couple of really big, like snafus. So like, we ran out of to go boxes. You know, we were serving everything to go. We ran out of boxes like two hours before it was over, so we had to halt service for like thirty minutes. Yeah. So people had to, whatever the normal wait time was, people had to wait an additional half hour for their food. But this is where, you know, we talked about my wife and her support and different things like this. This is where she's a genius. So she and her friend ran down the street to uh, the closest liquor store they could find. They bought as many bottles of champagne as they could get their hands on and red Solo cups. And they just went around... There were hundreds of people there. They just went around pouring people free champagne. And I I kept getting on the mic and apologizing and everybody was like, shut the fuck up. We're having a great time. We'll wait on the food. We heard from these people who've already eaten that it's so good, so on and so forth. So it was was amazing. So like the two biggest, you know, obstacles that we had were the ice cream, the running out of boxes. And then I think the last 10 orders for the night, we had run out of food completely like we had one of the dishes that we did was uh uh that i did was jerk chicken fried rice yeah so we had like a mound of jerk chicken okay but no rice okay. we run out of rice um for there's this dish i created called the charcuterie burger okay we had the prosciutto we had <laughs> yeah, brie and arugula, but we didn't have buns yeah. or you know ground beef left.
1: It sounds so interesting, the charcuterie. Bro. Yeah, so it's like it's it all the components dope. of yeah. like
0: a, a of charcuterie, like yeah. you know brioche bread, arugula, I did brie, gorgonzola, prosciutto, crispy prosciutto, um, uh, beef patty, and uh, berry compote. Damn. Yeah. It is fucking delicious. You get every note. You get juicy, meaty, tangy, sweet. No, it sounds. You get the peppery. Make me want to say the some Guy Fieri shit. Yeah,
1: like a flavor, yeah, a flavor
0: yeah. You're gonna. You, you're rolling in the fucking flavor town with that shit. Like it's it's one of my proudest recipes, like for sure. But both um, pop ups were incredible. Have you ever read Danny Mayer's book,
1: Mm-mm. Shake Shack founder? Of, I have not. So he has a couple cooking books. One's called Setting the Table. And he talks about hospitality and service. Mm-hmm. Good service is doing what you're supposed to do properly. Hospitality is the way you make people feel. Okay. And I'm a big fan of what he was pitching. You got to text book. me that book yeah, when yeah. we finish. I right?
0: I definitely want to pick that up.
1: It's I'm, I'm a big fan of the way he talks about it. I don't know Danny Mayer personally, but as far as what he talks about in that book... It applies to so many things when you're dealing with other people cuz yeah. hospitality. Yeah. Served, it's yeah. And what you're talking about, your wife with the champagne. That's how people felt, right? That cliché that people say that people don't always remember what you did or what you say as much as how you made them feel when you yeah. pass on. Yeah. And if you make people feel
0: good, then they remember you fondly. And they and they do And it it you know, it's just such it's a testament to exactly what you're talking about like you just reminded me there was there was someone who who came to the pop-up, they waited over an hour for their food. I don't know what happened with the ticket because we had a ticketing system. I don't know what happened with their ticket. They waited over an hour for their food and ended up having to leave without their food. Oh damn! So I went to go refund them. Shopify, if you wanna pay my buddy Neil here for his podcast, I'll sing you guys' praises. I love Shopify. But Shopify <laughs> has a cool feature where you can refund people in real time from the app oh, right I'm- there. I've been a Shopify partner for, like, probably 14 years. So He's a I Shopify partner. <laughs> I, I love Shopify. I, I love it. It's empowered
1: people to take yeah. care of some just incredible stuff.
0: And it's, their their platform is really, really intuitive. Like, even if you don't have a design, you know, bug in your body at all, like, you can get, get on that platform. Yeah, and just figure it out. your images. It'll yeah. help a long way. Yeah, so I went to refund somebody, and they're like, dude, I had an incredible time. I love you. I'm supporting what you're doing. Don't if you try to refund me, I'm going to send the money back to you via Venmo or some other you know vehicle or whatever the case was. And those that type of feedback for me like meant everything. And that's why I want to read that book that you were talking about. Like I I, I just told someone who asked me about my career, you know, and why I enjoy cooking so much. One of the things that I told them is most work is thankless, right? Yeah. Most work is thankless, like bust your fucking ass, you know, hours upon hours, days upon, you know what I mean? And it's thankless. Cooking is one of the few things where you get to see people's reaction. You get feedback and praise in real time. I, that experience of being praised for your work and your effort in real time. It doesn't always happen for no, for me right. No, it's true. You know, depending on what I'm doing, but I love that shit. Yeah, I it feels abso- good. It feels good and it just if you know, it I don't know. It's just it's so awesome to just like curate those types of experiences for people. To introduce them the ingredients that they've never had, flavor profiles they've never tasted, you know, to be to be responsible for creating the thing that sparked a conversation that, you know, sparked a friendship, a romance, you know, relationship, an idea, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it's just it's so much fucking fun, and I just love like the thing I love most about it. Like the highest compliment you could give me as a chef is to curse me out. If you're like, dude, what the fuck were you thinking about? This is so fucking good. Like I, (laughs) like I love, I love that. I was like, where are you going with that? (laughs) I love that kind of response. You know, like people's minds are so blown that they just they feel compelled to just curse you out. I love it. Yeah. No. No. I. Yeah. Yeah. The right
1: cultural. Yeah. That. (laughs) That shit's funny, man. Yeah. Damn, you make me think of so many things when we're talking because you talk about problem solving without having to talk about it. You talk about creating these feel good environments without having to directly say it. You talk about almost combating ego without having to really directly hit it. It's, it's so interesting. That's why I love talking with you. And that's why I want to talk with you more. But one of the things you talked about when we, we started talking about this pop-up that I'm curious, because I'm always curious about, so I'm more curious about it. And we've talked about this even off camera about, uh, put more stories and voices out there mm-hmm. and you said a black a female-owned black business mm-hmm. was where you did the pop-up right mm-hmm. what is it about saying that that you feel needs to be important like what you know i have a perspective right from my own perspective but i'm not black mm-hmm. you know i'm only who i am yep. and i grew up in a different time than people before me yeah you know and my kids are growing up in a different time you know what i mean but when you say that what is it that you want people to hear like what should they be actually hearing and
0: feeling that's when one you of the best questions anybody has ever asked me wow um it's important for me to state that as many times as i can because of shout out to leslie and leanne jones they're the two sisters who own Ten Ten wine and it's there Leslie Jones.
1: Am I thinking of the SNL? Not yeah, no. not, not
0: SNL. Leslie Jones. Maybe I think yeah, Leslie Jones. Nice not as, it's funny. I saw her on Saturday. Oh, did you? Yeah, one of my friends. Shout out to uh, Tasha Prothro. Her birthday was yesterday. She's okay. one of my closest friends. She's also a chef, private chef to Leslie Jones. So Leslie came to her birthday party. Yeah, wow, so yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was <laughs> the first time. First time I had ever seen or met Leslie Jones like in person in my life. Um, she, who was very very sweet. Um, and she adored my little boy. So. Thank you leslie jones but a different leslie jones yeah yeah. um it i feel the need to repeat that as many times as i possibly can because of what a big deal and what it means for those ladies to have accomplished that how difficult it is for black and brown entrepreneurs to get small business loans to be approved for liquor licenses to all the obstacles that you have to go through. Um, Not being Nepo babies, not being silver spooners, like so on and so forth. They literally got it out the mud. Yeah, You know, even their older sister Leah, like all three, they are three incredibly dynamic women who have accomplished so much and are still like daily, like just blowing my mind with the things that they're able to do um, so from that standpoint, I feel the need to say it because of what I could only imagine they went through to open up that space. um you know, I feel the need to say it because, regardless of what anyone says and if you think otherwise, then you know you've I think you've gotten to enjoy a privilege that other people haven't, but representation absolutely matters. Mm-hmm. To see someone who looks like you, speaks like you, has had the same experience, gone to the same schools, be able to accomplish something like that, yeah, you know, is important. You know, our whole conversation is, is centered on motivation, right? Yeah, to yeah. keep you know her, their peers motivated, me motivated, our our mutual friends motivated, and then you know the generations behind, even the ones that came before them, yeah, you know, communicating to them that it's not too late. Yeah. You know, that they can own businesses in the neighborhoods that they grew up in. Um, you know, and then uh, another reason, I know their identity is important to them as black women. It It is something that they, they take a great deal of pride in. Um, so, yeah. 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 Cause Shout it's... out to that black-owned
1: business. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people need more context. Yeah. Because you see it, right? And mm-hmm. it's almost become... I don't wanna trivialize it, but it, it, it's almost getting put on and pushed as if when people say this is organic. Yeah. And it's just on there and people don't have context to really understand it. You know, it's we don't say enough of like, hey, educate me or I don't know, yeah. explain it to me type stuff. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask was because you said it and it wasn't just a fleeting thing. It wasn't yeah. you know, it wasn't like a catchphrase. It was like, you know, you made a point to say it.
0: Yeah, and to kind of resonate in it, and that's why I wanted to ask about. Yeah, it. and then you know, it it also like speaks to like how far we have to go, right? Yeah. You know, because every day we're seeing this in the media, the first black, you know, so and so to do X, Y, and Z, the first Hispanic, the first Asian, the. Fir- there's always a first. Thing. 2023. Yeah, there's always a first, but like, you know, like, wine bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. Yeah.
1: Well, so here's even a funny point of that. I, I don't know if funny is the right you know, word to use to describe it. But I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Audience, so, he doesn't mean anything, so. <laughs> so, and this is a point in venture capital, actually. There's a lady, her name's Katie Hahn. Mm-hmm. She's a white lady, older mm-hmm. woman. She worked with the DOJ, right? She's a very accomplished woman, very very professional, very accomplished. Worked with Andreas and Horowitz, one of the biggest tech venture capitalist funds. She broke out of that because she led their crypto fund to launch her own fund largest fund for a single uh founder like a single firm mm-hmm. founder being a woman but it was the largest but she's a white older woman so even in that way she's broke down her own yeah door. she's a trailblazer yeah. in her own way yeah. very much so yeah you know what i mean because that is also a heavily male mm-hmm. dominated space especially all things crypto and tech yeah <sighs> they talk about it that's still in a gender role it mm-hmm. hasn't even made its way into the conversation as much yep. with minorities because it's still being, you know, crypto bros and mm-hmm. more men, you know. So it's, it's interesting to see how history kind of repeats itself over and over again, right? So in this sector, they're dealing with gender, which is what people dealt with many years ago. Yeah. And they felt like they had to deal with gender before they had to deal with race and culture, yeah. which I find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do we keep repeating the same shit in its own way?
0: It's, it's, I find it interesting. How do you keep learning? So learning is, I, I tell people all the time, and I have a tattoo on my chest that very much represents that. I am an eternal student. Okay. I. It is one of my, my greatest pleasures in life to be able to learn every day. And that's something that I love about being a chef. There's no pinnacle. You know what I mean? There's no mm-hmm. final level... Final master, there is no way for a chef to know everything there is about this world and about this realm. And every no matter how good I am, no matter how great people tell me I am, feed my ego, there is always going to be something for me to learn and master. And I love that about this space. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I challenge myself to do. I I became a cookbook person over the course of the pandemic. What do you mean? I was previously like a referencer. Like I would, if, you know, you told me about one of your favorite recipes, I would reference the recipe. I don't necessarily follow it to see, you know, word for word, but, you know, I'm referencing it to see what ingredients are used, you know, what the preparation is like. That'll inform me of why you like the dish or what I like about it and i just do my own interpretation i've become i was like really averse to cookbooks for whatever reason um because i felt like it it was stifling for my creativity in that room um but i've become a cookbook person over the course of the pandemic just being more open to learning everything i can um I decided I wanted to go to culinary school school during the pandemic. I decided I wanted to work in restaurants. Like I said, yeah. you know, my, my career in this space has been the polar opposite of, you know, the course that most chefs, you know, that end up on TV usually take. Um, but I love, having accepted that I am going to be a student for the rest of my life and that there is always something for me to learn. Yeah. And that is exciting. That's dope. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, I do. I do. I know how to cook all this dope shit, but guess what? I learned another thing and I got another thing and I just, I learned this and I picked up that and I wasn't familiar with that ingredient before, but I could incorporate that in my such and such. Oh, and that herb or that garnish would look so fucking good on this recipe that I have right. It's just I love it, man.
1: Well, even so aside from just cooking, you're learning more about branding, mm-hmm. marketing, about fashion, yeah. about just communicating with people, Parenting, resonating with people. fatherhood. Oh
0: gosh. Being a good husband, parent. being a better friend. Yeah. You know, grieving a parent. I've never done that before. You know well, what now I mean? Yeah. Um we're just we're always learning and I am someone who is absolutely open to and excited about that. And
1: that's, like, one of the biggest things is just being open yeah. to the notion that, hey, you don't know it all. Yeah. yeah. And even if you did know enough of it, then it'll change tomorrow. Yeah. No, no, I love that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. How is the grieving going? Is it still with you? A-
0: absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. You know, for everybody watching, we are doing um, this interview in my mother's home. Yep. Um, And it's a process, I think the thing I can say definitively is that I've accepted that I will always grieve my mother. Yeah. You know, she and I were very, very close. Um, we spent a lot of time together and that is a void in my life, and my heart that cannot be filled by anyone or anything or whatever the case is. But I am dealing with it in healthier ways than I previously was. Um, You know, and I think I'm more so in a space of gratitude. Yeah. You know, and I have been this year more so than last year. Last year was really rough, but this year I am grateful. Like, I got to be Renee McMullen's son. (laughs) Like, I never thought I would lose my mom so young. Mm -hmm. But, like, she wasn't here for a long time, but she was here for a good time. Yeah. She was she was a fantastic mother. She had a great sense of humor. You know, she was my biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful I'm able to talk about her without crying. Yeah. You know, that's something I wasn't able to do do last year, but you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be her son. That's
1: dope, man. It's fucking lit, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to fill that hole because
0: nobody will. Yeah. Nobody will, but you know, it's, you, you know, this it's, it's yeah. hard. Like there are very specific things in your life that you go to your mother for Yeah, very specific conversations, even just jokes. You know what I mean? Like there are so many instances where I'm just driving down the street. I see something, thinking something, and I want to just call my mom and just talk shit and laugh about it. Cause my mom had the the greatest sense of humor. Um, You know, so that's, that's really tough. Like thinking about, I think the toughest thing for me is that my son will never get the pleasure of, or won't get the pleasure of like knowing my mom. He remembers my mom. He still talks about my mom, but he didn't, he didn't get to know my mom.
1: So yeah. In step with that, my kids never knew her. My missus only knew her for a year and it was awesome. It wasn't even a full year. I don't think. But she, there was enough to where she remembers, but to your point, I forgot where I heard this. It was a couple of years ago. I, it was during the pandemic. I remember it was during the pandemic, cause I was listening. That's when I really got into listening to books and I was running a lot and listening to books, but this one lady talked about when she wanted to talk to and happened to be her mother, she would use voice memos. Cause she just wanted to share something with her yeah. to, to your point, the, the dialogue, the two of them would have, but she can't talk to her anymore. So she would create these voice memos. And so I find myself doing that from time to time. If I want to talk to her, I just do, you know, on an iPhone, you do a voice memo. And when you say, you know, the kids will never know her. So we, I have this game with my kids. They go, <laughs> you call what you want. Parents, judge me all you like. They, it, the challenge is, were you drunk or young? And so I'll tell them a story And they have to guess Was I drunk or was I young And more often than not My mom is involved in all these Just because she had to deal with my shit Right So But it's funny because i am They're able to Almost share in these stories Yeah Because the kids are a little old Old enough And we have that relationship To where we connect on that level Yeah So those are a couple ways That I've That seem to have helped me And mind you It was What was it? 1999 so i yeah it's been a while but it never leaves you because of the connection yeah so yeah there you go
0: yeah man yeah that's rough
1: well that's i mean man. uh what I, there's a few other questions i have i mean that's a great way to kind of end on but I, I do have a few questions yeah as part what uh what other podcasts do you like podcasts in I general? do like podcasts. Okay. What are, what are some podcasts that you like?
0: So, uh, shout out to one of my closest friends, Jared Hill. He has an amazing podcast with uh, his podcast co-host, Travell. Travell, forgive me, because I cannot remember your last name off the top of my head, but they have a, a podcast called Fanti. Okay. So, um, Fanti is very indicative of the name. It's about the juxtaposition of... Being a fan of someone or something, but also like having a disdain for it or having lost respect for it or whatever the case. Like um the Cosby show. For yeah. Instance. You know F- The Cosby show raised all of us. <laughs> or pudding pop, you know what I mean? I can't eat a fucking pudding <laughs> The Cosby show raised all of us. Oh. Like there are so many warm memories that you yeah. know most people who grew up, you know, in the eighties and nineties have around the Cosby show. There's also some sting there, like oh god damn it, he was doing what dirt? Oh fuck, I can't even like engage with this show in the same way. So their podcast, I is, to check that right? out. I haven't yeah. heard of it. Yeah, tie
1: because this is a common conversation that's been happening: the artist as a person and the artist's work. Yeah, where do you draw the? You know what I mean? There's people I know that can't listen to Michael Jackson anymore. Yeah, yeah. there's people I know that can't listen to R. Kelly anymore. Yeah. I'm um I'm one of them. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, when you have a kid, too, it resonates yeah. something. Yeah. But what is your thoughts
0: on artists' work, artists as a person? I think it's completely subjective, and I, I, I try not to be judgmental of anyone. Like, when the subject of R. Kelly is brought up, right? Piece of shit, fuck him, you know, so on and so forth. But I also have to admit, it's pretty easy for me not to listen to R. Kelly's music because I was never a huge fan of him. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's probably easier
1: if you're not. Yeah, it makes it's e- sense.
0: It's easier if you don't listen to it. Michael Jackson. Still listen to Mike. Okay. I, whether consciously or subconsciously, I didn't watch the HBO documentary. I ha- I'm not too well versed on what all of his accusations have been and so on and so forth. Right, point. right. Because with Michael Jackson, he has been such a core part of the culture, my life, you know, so on and so forth. With him, I have to separate the artist from the music.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know
0: what I mean? So I think, I mean, I think it's subjective. Like with, with R. Kelly, for instance, I was in high school when that original, original story broke. I saw the videotapes. He fucked children. Jesus. You know what I mean? Like I was 15 at the time. I knew what 15 year old girls' bodies looked like yeah. as a 15 year old boy. Who was starting, you know, yeah, to have yeah. sex and all that other stuff? That happened. So, you know, again, it's a little easier, you know, because I I never Damn. really was a fan of his, and I saw the video. Your delivery
1: of that, even though I know it happened, it just for some reason it came just hit me across the face. And, and the we way have you put... to be
0: more honest about you know those things. You, we you even have f- the feelings and opinions that you do about you know artists as people versus their their art. Or whatever the case is And I For people who still listen to R. Kelly I get it He made timeless music You know what I mean <laughs> That motherfucker That sick motherfucker made I Believe I Can Fly I know
1: how Was that many Space
0: Jam? Gradua- yes You know how many kids that touched? How many graduations No pun intended right? <laughs> How many graduations celebrate like Almost as much as Smash
1: Mouth yeah. at fucking softball games
0: Yeah <laughs> Like it's You know
1: But but you you have filmmakers, too, like Roman Polanski. That fucker's been dodging the bullet for how mm -hmm. many decades? Yep. Yep. But he's made some iconic films. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's, you know, it's a subjective thing, and I try not to judge people for, you know, the artists that they still align themselves with. You know, I think there are things that are too egregious, you know, to continue to support people. Like, what do you think about Kanye?
1: Oh, God.
0: Fuck. We don't have enough time for that. (laughs) That's, you know, that's not even a double-edged sword. That, so, what I will say about Kanye is I am someone who idolized that man. Okay. For me to have grown up a straight black man who doesn't watch sports, who's been super into fashion his entire life, loves to cook, you know, so on and so forth. Not only was his music incredible, but that was representation that I absolutely needed. And it was so validating for me too. You know, Kanye broke my senior year of high school going into college. And having a prominent rapper who was a fashionista, he was, and flamboyant and so yeah. on. It meant so much to me, you know, and gave me a lot of confidence to just continue being who I am and who I was, you know. And then we have who he's been yeah. and who he's evolved into in the past. You know how how many ever years it has been. I was at the concert in um, in the Bay Area where he first endorsed Trump. I was there. No way. I was there. Yeah, yeah. What was I that was like? In the, it was a room mostly full of black and brown people. Yeah. We, it was the first time, like I had never seen anything like that. It, it, that whole night was fucking bizarre. We all booed the fuck out of him. What was the emotion before that? We were hyped. Right? We were hyped. Like, it, you know, this is when he, you Did know. Did he already play it. a set? He, I think he had done like maybe three or four songs. He was late. I think they were having some technical issues. So people were kind of already agitated. And then, you know, the innovator that he is, it wasn't for me, but that was when he introduced the floating stage. Okay. So the tickets that we bought, we thought they were floor seats. The floor was a pit. Oh shit! So it was like standing room only, so that the stage was you know floating above us. I can find the photos and the videos and show you guys, but it was it was such a bizarre experience to have this black man who had ten years before, when I was in undergrad, you know, on camera infamously George Bush does not care about black people during the Hurricane Katrina relief telethon, morph into this self-hating Uncle Tom who's aligned himself with this maniac for what? Yeah. Like, yeah, man, I don't, you know, I don't know if mental health's to blame. I don't know if his ego's to blame. I don't know if it's a combination of all of those things, but what I will say about Kanye West is he is a major fucking disappointment. Either way it goes. Yeah. Whether again, whether it's mental health, whether it's his ego, whether it's his own bullshit, it's a major fucking disappointment for me personally, you know. But I have Kanye West t-shirts that I still wear. They're the vintage ones, yeah. <laughs> you know, before or not vintage because they're not twenty-five years old, but you know, they're the I know what you the meant, the pretty yeah. crazy Kanye. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. from the Glow in the Dark tour. Another, you know, I've seen Good Kanye Morning Kanye. A lot of, yeah, I, I'm not a concert person, but Kanye was. I have seen him most live of any other artist
1: oh damn i've okay. seen
0: him in concert i think four times okay and i am not like a concert watching guy watching this who knows me knows yeah. that i am not a concert guy at all like i like small intimate you know house of blues type of venues or like the hollywood bowl and that's it festivals fuck you <laughs> so you, you weren't at coachella not... with frank
1: ocean yeah. fucking up
0: absolutely <laughs> coachella is like my worst nightmare <laughs> like i have this thing like remember we were talking about god before yeah, yeah. i think Heaven, hell, like all of these things are whatever you know. That is my personal hell. Well, India if gets hot. If I high. died and woke up at Coachella, that just didn't end. That would be my personal hell. The heat, the dust, no place to sit. It just, it,
1: so you're not going to Burning Man soon.
0: Fuck Burning. Man. I'm ne- no, no,
1: no. I know we went off on a tangent. But that sounds like a dope podcast. I wanna. I'm definitely gonna check that out. What other podcasts do you like?
0: Um, I love the Rory and Mall podcast, formerly uh the Joe Button podcast. Loved it when they were all together. Um, tragic that they broke up because th- those four guys were so dynamic on the mic together. Um, but definitely rock with the Rory and Mall podcast now. Love the read with Crystal and Fury. Um. There's another podcast I love called Psy Hustle School. It's like little small bites that I like to listen to throughout the day. You know, six minute episodes, 10 minute episodes where the host, I think his name is Chris Gilliboo. He interviews entrepreneurs yeah, yeah, and the stories vary. They're all, you know, across the board, failures, successes, you know, quick little cash grabs, you know, unexpected, you know white label businesses that people started that ended up blowing up like it, it's really interesting so side hustle school is great um there's a podcast called making that was discontinued for whatever reason so it was like okay. i think the first season was making oprah the second season was making obama and the last season was making beyonce interesting um but thought. the very 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 interesting like you know you think you know people's stories but you get like intimate details and fr- first oh, I again, love that interviews, stuff. yeah you I'm know from the people that. that were closest to them so that's another great one um marvel launched so my favorite marvel character of all time is wolverine okay um i am the biggest james howlett you know logan fan in the world um so my youngest marvel-
1: son's middle name is logan because of it. Coolest fucking kid in the world. <laughs> coolest dad See, in the world. Connected coolest dad, right,
0: right. Overcoming with characters. <laughs> but Wolverine's my favorite character of all time. So they have, there's... What is it? Is it the Night of the Wolverine? But they launched a podcast for, for Wolverine. Um, so there's been two seasons so far. They haven't done it in like two years, but that's one of my favorite ones. But yeah, I'm a podcast guy. Sounds like it, I'm man. I'm a podcast guy. I wish... The only reason I would want to go back to the Bay and back to corporate America was because of my commute. I had so much time. And because, you know, I worked a corporate job and I was sitting at a desk yeah, yeah. all day, I listen to podcasts from like 8 a.m. to like 6 p.m. every day. <laughs> I and now you. I don't really have the time. Like I, I split my time between, you know, Fanta, The Reed and Rory and Maul. But I don't listen to the episodes like, you know, from beginning to end like, yeah. I, like I used to. Like I catch them when I can. Yeah. Yeah. You know
1: no i got yeah. you oh in this
0: american life why do i know that uh, do i know this american it is life? one of the greatest podcasts yeah. ira old, one of the yeah yeah it's uh they're what is, do they have a connection to npr yeah yeah they, do? they have some that would make sense yeah because
1: i always see their art next to guy Raz with how i built this yeah so yeah, yeah and that's npr definitely
0: W-E-B-T, yeah I forgot the acronyms, but yeah, this American Life is wonderful. H-I-P-P. Ira Glass, his voice, like Ira, God bless you, God, God bless Ira Glass. I, I just, I, I love what they're doing over there at This American Life. Yeah,
1: all right, yeah, friend. that's dope. Yeah, well, I mean, is there something you want to share about yourself before we close this out? I mean, tell us, like, what, what do you want people, where people can find
0: you? What do you, so. Uh, so <laughs> hey, listen. so speaking of podcasts <laughs> thank you Dun Dun. I, I am uh the newest co-host of the Break That bread podcast uh that I do with my boy uh Jeremy. It is a great fucking time. We cook for our guests, we talk shit you know we talk about the, their journey through life, their careers um and all the ingredients and components that went into making the wonderful dish that is them. Yeah. Um so people can find me on the Break That Bread podcast whenever we launch sometime soon. Um people can find me everywhere on social media at Seth Brundle. Um I am doing another pop-up sometime this summer, so follow my social media to to, to see when that's gonna be. Get some tacos. Get some get some motherfucking tacos, <laughs> some some delicious tacos. Um and yeah, yeah, social media. Social media. I, I usually inform everybody of what I, everything I'm doing on social media. So I like what you
1: yeah. do with your social. You seem to do it. well. You seem to, you clearly make the effort.
0: So I do, but I took the pressure off myself. I took the pressure off myself. I remember when I first moved back to LA, I was like trying to get my numbers up. I wanted to, you know, have that be a, a stream of income for me, and I put so much fucking work and effort into it. And I think I maybe in. An, Of an entire year of, you know, pouring my heart and soul into content creation, I maybe gained like 100 followers. (laughs) It was so fucking frustrating.
1: But now it's just, you just kind of do it as I just
0: do do it when I feel like it. Do it when I'm inspired. Um, Shout out to one of my closest friends, Ashley Nguyen. She's an incredible photographer. Um, She's getting into video and stuff like that. So, you know, we shoot these like fun food videos every now and then when we feel like it um yeah here in this kitchen yeah. yeah in this kitchen in this yeah. kitchen yeah i yeah. do a lot you know shout out to my mom again yeah. like my mom you know this has been a safe space and a haven for her entire family and even people that are not you know a part of our family um her doors were always open that's what you should get right here like a little sign yeah like what what's
1: your mom's name again renee, renee So yeah. renee's kitchen
0: yeah i want to get i think i'm gonna like do something in cement or get some placard, like put somewhere in the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some type of dedication to her without the new homeowners knowing. Yeah. So if the new homeowners happen to, you know, watch this episode in in a year or so, (laughs) there's an
1: Easter egg in the house, man. There's an
0: Easter egg (laughs) in the house. And don't you dare fucking move it. Um, But yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Seth, man. I appreciate it for sharing the time. Yeah. I love hanging out with you guys. I love hanging out with you, but I just appreciate you sharing so much, man. Thank you.
0: I'm an open book, man. I'm open. What are we talk about being open. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs>